0: You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast.
1: How's it going, all you Christian dirtbags out there? Thank you to AJ on Twitter for sending in that nickname. If you have a derogatory yet loving nickname, send it in on Twitter, hashtag BCPod or BCPod intro. Um, I'm happy to report that since last Sunday night, my wife and I have not been in any fights whatsoever. In fact, we've had a great week. Uh, one of the one of the really nice things that happens to us is whenever our daughter gets sick, she becomes ultra sweet and loving and caring and likes to snuggle with us. And and as you guys know, I like to wait till Sunday night to record this intro right before I put this episode online. My wife's at Target; she left a little bit ago to go get some diapers and supplies. And I'm sitting at home being as loud as I want to be, recording this intro, drinking a margarita. I'm having a great Sunday night. I hope you guys have had a good week too. And okay, I'll I'll clarify a little bit. My daughter, she has. A fever is like 101. I think she's probably just getting a new tooth. There's nothing major wrong with her, but she's really sweet when she's a little bit sick. So, what the guest on today's show, Kevin Max from the legendary Christian rock band DC Talk? Kevin's a solo artist, he has stuff he's doing now. Um, and so whether or not you're a fan of classic Christian alternative rock albums or not, Kevin's an interesting guy. You'll enjoy this interview. We got, I think we got news with Toby, as usual, and some other really good stuff in the episode today. Now, I don't know if you guys have had, feel like you've had a lazy, slow start to summer, and that's typically the way it is. But at Bad Christian, we've been, uh, you know, we had some vacations and some other stuff going on, but we've got an unbelievably tremendous amount of new announcements and stuff going on with music, the website, the podcast, everything. So starting about next week, next couple of weeks, there's going to be, like, seriously, a bunch of announcements and awesome stuff coming out from Bad Christian. Stay tuned for it. And in the meantime, sit back, enjoy this episode, and thank you so much for the word of mouth you're doing, telling your friends, telling your neighbors, telling everybody. The Bad Christian Podcast has now been downloaded over half a million times. So thank you. At this rate, we'll be more famous than Obama himself. Dun,
0: da dun 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 dun. <laughs> dun, dun 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 dun, dun dun dun. Another one fights mm, Di- the dust.
1: Suh. Suh. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. You know where time it is? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Come on, come on, come on. It's Bad Christian. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the Bad Christian podcast. Hey, what is that hey. Queen plus a evangelist voice there or what? No, but hey, did,
2: did y'all know? Were y'all in youth groups where they talked about backmasking? No. <laughs> what? <laughs> Have y'all ever heard of backmasking? About? No. Backmasking? Yeah, like when you play songs backwards, oh, yeah. demonic messages oh, yeah, come out. Oh, yeah, that's how I got saved, but go ahead. All right, so for that song, Another One Bites the Dust, They showed, there was a whole TV show on playing uh, lyrics backwards, Led Zeppelin, all sorts of bands. That one, if you play it backwards, it was start to smug marana. Oh, I've heard of that it, before. It really does sound like start to smoke marijuana. So my brother and I, uh, when we were in high school, we went to the toy store and we were messing around. There's like this little uh, toy that you could play with, and you record something, and then you can play it backwards. And sure enough, it's not demonic. It's just something about the English language. We said another one bites the dust and then we played backwards and it says Start to
1: smoke marijuana." <laughs> it's awesome. We we're like, "Yes." I can't believe people believe in stuff like that that, that people would go to the trouble to put hidden ma- like if you were Queen and you wanted people to smoke marijuana, you would go to the trouble to write a whole song and the lyric that if you said it backwards that would happen as opposed no, to No, but see that
2: that's that's the argument. They say the probability of it happen accidentally is almost nothing. None. And then they said it's also a zero probability
1: of them doing it intentionally because it's almost impossible. You can't do that. So uh-huh, they're saying it's, it's demonic. demonic.
2: Exactly. exactly.
1: So, so, but the bottom line is if you hear somebody say smoke marijuana, that's it. You're going to smoke yeah. marijuana. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I, that's what I was getting ready to say. The, the number
0: one thing that has made me smoke marijuana in my life is somebody saying, hey, you should try this marijuana.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I do have to admit, though, some of them sounded really creepy, like um, Stairway to Heaven, that part where he says um, there's two paths you must go by, but in the long run there's always time to change your mind or something like that. Talks they play it backwards and it's something about Satan and it says, "My sweet Satan." It's really weird and creepy. Hey, I actually one time tested it on a Christian song and when it played it backwards, <laughs> it said, "This is the worst shit ever."
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> what was it, Mylon Lefever and Broken Heart? <laughs> Oh, it was Butterfly
0: Kisses. If you play Butterfly Kisses backwards, <laughs> I, don't, I can't even repeat what it says. It's all profanity. It's all worshiping <laughs> Satan. It's probably one of the worst things you ever do. Do not play Butterfly c- Kisses backwards.
2: Hey, so I just got back from um, New York City. Nice. Yep. Went to do a, a wedding for a guy that goes to our church, and I almost uh, destroyed it. What do so you mean basically destroyed it? it. I this almost would have ruined been the it. second
0: time you basically almost destroyed a wedding. No, one you. time
2: I kind of did.
0: Yeah, one time you did destroy a wedding that you were proceeding over. Uh,
2: yeah, so basically the one that Toby's talking about, the couple, their last names are Smith, and his name is Joel. The only Joel that I knew really, really well through most of my life is Joel Green, uh, former bassist of Emory. And so the, the fact that this couple, uh, their last name is Smith... It's just so easy to get those names confused. So at the very end of the wedding, I said, now introducing for the very first time, Mr. and Mrs. Joel Green. And I said (laughs) that in a freaking ceremony. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, this is an Indian wedding. For those of you that aren't familiar with that culture, I mean, usually these weddings last, you know, three or four days. Uh, This is a born again Indian family. So they proclaim Jesus as their savior. They're not. Why was it in New York? Uh, that's where he's from. He actually moved uh, to South Carolina for a job, and uh, they're still partially arranged marriage. Uh, the only thing that's different is they're not forced to marry somebody that they don't want, but they're highly encouraged. So this is
1: an arrangement. You did the Christian wedding of an Indian traditional arranged yep. marriage. Yep. His name is Shijo, and basically his parents— I wonder what that uh, is Backwards.
2: his parents actually knew some another couple and they knew of a girl you know that they they knew her when she was young and saw her grow up and so basically both dads they get together they talk about the possibilities and then they send this couple out to get to know each other and then this couple reports back and says yay or nay and so um my friend shijo was definitely interested and so they pursued more dates and hanging out. And, you know, so here they are married. But anyway, uh, what I was supposed to do is that I was supposed to go up there and uh, start the little sermon, basically say who gives this bride to be married. Uh, the father gives the bride away. And then immediately I was supposed to say, Pastor so-and-so is coming up to open us up in prayer. There's a bunch of Indian pastors behind me. So I I do that. The pastor goes up. He opens us up in prayer. But here's where I went wrong. After that, I was supposed to ask a bunch of pastors up one by one to read scripture and then go into a special song. I skipped all of that. I went up and I just continued with my message. So here's a bunch of pastors behind me and they're thinking, man, so we're just stuck up here and we're not going to do anything. The band and the singers that were supposed to sing, they're like, wow, all that practice for nothing. So I realized it like 30 minutes into it after the vows after everything and so I went up there and I just <laughs> totally I said so it is only fitting that at a Christian marriage such as this that we would end with the reading of God's word and worship. I said so what we're going to do is I'm going to have pastors come up one by one and read scripture and then we're going to close the ceremony out worshipping together and Everybody except for the wedding party and the parents, they just thought that that was how it's supposed to be. Well, uh, the groom's dad came up to me and said, Man, that was one of the best weddings I've ever been to. Best Indian wedding. And so I was relieved, but what I really felt bad about is the, the, Bride and groom sitting up there feeling nervous, like, yeah. oh my gosh, he totally forgot what's Because
1: everybody happen. up there thought the whole time that you had botched it and it was going to be super exactly. awkward and a bunch exactly. of wasted time and energy. So, for which you had, you actually did do that. I did. Yeah, so everybody was exactly
2: right. You blew it. No, they were worried that I was going to forget for good. I did not forget for good. You didn't forget for good. I did not forget for good. But, yeah, so um, after that, we hung out in New York City and did all the fun stuff. We had a great time. and uh, But I did find a very killer uh, Masters of the Universe He-Man shirt that's probably the best thrift store find I've ever found. Yeah, and you awesome. were
0: telling me you did buy a $35 donut while you were there. Yeah. At the thrift like, store? Yeah. I I don't remember the store. It might have been an old donut. Yeah, or it might have even been pre-used or pre-owned. But uh, I remember you saying all the other donuts were like a dollar, and you were like, but this donut was made for me. At
2: least I don't steal from Jason's Deli. Mr. I go in and just get the ice cream and leave. Matt, do you think that's stealing? Matt was with me when that
0: happened. I was
1: with Toby when that happened, when Toby stole ice cream from Jason's I did not steal. All right, so here's the thing. Toby says that he asked permission. Let me ask
0: Matt. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. Let me clarify this. (laughs) Matt and I were walking together to go get some food. Everybody else went somewhere else. I said, I would really like an ice cream. And uh, I saw Jason's Daily, and I love their ice cream. It's just the old-school cafeteria ice cream maker. I went inside and said, hey, I would like to get an ice cream. The guy looks at me and goes, oh, there's no charge for that. Just go have one. Matt also then said, I will have an ice
1: cream. Yeah, but here's, here's so the Matt argument. actually,
0: w- it, I at least asked. Matt didn't even ask. No, here's the argument.
1: Basically, ice cream comes with everything that you buy there, but they don't. you can't just go in and buy an ice cream. So the guy just let Toby walk in off the street, go in and get an ice cream and walk out. <laughs> Which
0: made me
2: love Jason's Deli even more. Made mm-hmm. me go back. All I right, thought but it was
0: great. That's not the complimentary problem.
2: Complimentary ice cream. That's not the problem. The problem is that you said... You would just
1: do that at any Jason's Dellies from got, now on.
2: I got. You would walk into it, get ice cream, and, and leave, and, and, and pretend said, like stealing. you wanted
1: to buy it. Like go in and say, "Hey, I'd like to buy an ice cream," knowing that they're going to say, "Well, you can just have it for no, free." Well, I don't think there is anything wrong with that. <laughs> I just think if you don't tell
2: people, well,
0: well, yeah, what Joey's saying though is that like I've actually gone not to eat with other <laughs> other people went to eat, and I just get an ice cream because <laughs> I am basing my whole philosophy upon the one time that so guy you don't told even me, ask
1: anymore; you just go get I don't free ice ask cream.
0: <laughs> somebody that worked at Jason's Deli told me that he would not charge me for the ice cream. <laughs> they don't do that. So now wherever I'm at in the world, if there's if you Jason's Deli, ice cream, there you go. If I want ice cream, I go there.
2: All right. So Matt, do you think it's stealing to go to Chick Fil A and to put a couple creamers in your coffee, a couple sugars, and then take a handful of sugars and creamers and put them in your pocket? Um, them?
1: I would say a they're sh- offering
2: them for free. Let's remember that they have them on display for free. You're not paying extra. So can right. you just take a bunch?
1: uh honestly yes you can I, i don't i do not think it is stealing it's definitely not illegal In the law sense. Now, whether it's ethical to you or not is the only question, but it's certainly not illegal. They definitely put it out there. They calculate the cost of loss and how much people would take and stuff like that. So they are, I mean, they don't want you to abuse it, but turns out people typically don't abuse it or it's a negligible cost to them. So they don't mind, like they would frown upon you, but it's all social stigma. It's the same as anything else. It's not real. All right, well, let me me ask you this, Toby. When
0: I go to (laughs) Chick-fil-A, I definitely grab extra creamers or I get extra sauces because I love the Chick-fil-A sauce and take them home, and we use them. And I support the business all the time. All right,
2: so, I see, I would be okay. And I, obviously, none of this stuff matters, honestly. I don't think it's a big deal. But I would say taking the Chick-fil-A sauce home, yes, that's good. Because, But taking creamer, just buy it at the grocery store. Buy I do buy creamer at the grocery
0: store. But if I'm there and I'm like, well, I got a coffee, <laughs> I grab a few more. Like, I always get extra, and then whatever's left over, I don't take back. I just keep can I say one other thing? Because yeah. when you were talking about this earlier, uh, you said you you actually noticed an older lady doing that, right? Taking extra creams, yeah, and, right, yeah. That is the number one culprit of taking creams and sugars. Old and ladies. ketchup. yeah, yeah, because they're from Which the pro- depression era, right? Which also proves my point. You don't get better when you get older. You become more of a thief. <laughs> you hide things. You take things, and you even oh, I'm old and I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I mean, like they would. Nobody's gonna confront. <laughs> that, That's confront your anti
1: sanctification. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: Right, exactly. You don't get better with age, or or he's you know, so much more wise. No, you become more conniving. Um, oh, please, uh, sorry. I agree. I, just, I didn't know. I thought they were free. They were sick. Here I've seen women dump mints out of a bowl before. <laughs> yeah. Like, mints. You know, hey, have a mint as you leave. It'll take a hundred of them. Leave two.
2: All right, let me ask y'all this, because I I get a little perturbed when a restaurant like Moe's. Does everybody know, like, are there any parts of the country where there's no Moe's? Yeah, there's not a lot of
1: places. Moe's right, so is sub, a burrito Subway.
2: Place. Let's take a Subway, for instance, because Moe's is kind of like they make their burrito in front of you just like Subway. When you get to the cash register, there's a place for tips. Yeah. I don't like that. That, to me, that's like going through a grocery store line, and the cashier basically says, well, you gave me money, and I gave you change, and I scanned all that stuff. Here's a section for tip. Yeah. It makes you feel bad. It kind of makes you feel like a jerk, like,
1: oh, well, I'm going to stiff them. I, I No, never it's not stiffing them. That- it's, it's not stiffing them. Here's the thing on tipping. It's all predicated on just making people feel bad. Like, that's the whole game. It's not really being generous to give a tip. It's not needed. It's a total crap system. And the only reason anybody tips is just so they don't feel bad. So don't let them make you feel guilty. In fact, I'd go one further and say, if you want to do this thought experiment with me, I think the only reason anybody ever tips is just the social pressure of hoping that person doesn't think bad of you as you walk out of the restaurant. So answer me this, Toby, if you had the ability right now to push a button and reclaim every dollar every dime you've ever spent in tips, and it would all come out of the, that person's account. So most people, uh, you know, $1, $2, $3 tips here and there, All their bank accounts would all go backwards, 2 or $3. That's it. And then you know, for every server you ever had, and then you would have back all of your tipping money, which I would guess is probably in the tens of thousands of dollars over your lifetime. You could push the button right now, and you could have that tip money back. Wouldn't you push that button? Of course you would. Don't even answer that. Everybody would push that button, except for if somebody wants to make a real moral high ground position. But here, you push the button, you get all your tip money back. It's as simple as that. Wouldn't you push it? You push it right now, wouldn't you? Would the people know that you got it back? They wouldn't know you got it back. They just would simply—they would not know at all that you got it back. It would simply would be—they would have five dollars, three dollars, two twenty-five less in their bank account than they thought they did. It would I just mean, simply you guys are both going to call
2: BS on me, but. I would say no, because I don't want to be ruled by money, and
1: that's just super sneaky, uh, whatever. super deceptive. But that, this I, is not there, a no ahead. take that out of it, because this is a hypothetical. Obviously, this is not a real thing. All right, so you're so. saying take principle out. I'm saying like, take—no, take, take no, right not principle, wrong. but like go, morals to God. I'm saying take that part out of it. I'm talking about just the practicality of why you tip and what, what you get out okay, of it and how I much mean, you spend w- on it.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, of
1: course you would take the money back. I mean— well, yeah. Like you're not, you don't really think you blessed that person with that two twenty five near as much as you just wanted to in that An moment. To you, it. It's obligation and the social constraint of you feeling like you look bad or would be uncomfortable to stiff somebody, and that's yeah, totally. My dad your, is totally it. free of this obligation. My dad does not <laughs> does not feel oppressed. Toby, not you would leaving take a tip. You would take the tips back, wouldn't you, Toby? <sighs> I mean, you would have like know. you I, might have twelve thousand I mean, dollars be... in your bank account, and and some people
0: are missing three bucks in a second of course i would it would not uh, you're exactly right like it, it doesn't matter
1: i'm saying you're going to get back something like i don't know twelve right, 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 thousand dollars all you I'm have saying. to do is you get that amount back is just all right like all your tips add up to that if you could have them all back you would it's yeah, just well, you just you didn't want to feel like you walked out of the restaurant as the waitress was coming over she saw that you didn't leave anything she thinks you're an ass that's the only or because the other people at the table would think you're a jerk you don't i mean that's all that's the only reason you tip i don't actually believe it's generosity
0: Yeah, I agree. I I definitely agree with that. But at the same time, I do think on a certain level, regardless of if they remember me or not, somebody is happy when they see a $5 bill as opposed to nothing.
1: I mean, that's a a fringe benefit.
2: Yeah, my whole thing about tipping, though, is the distinction between Moe's and a place like Olive Garden. Olive Garden, those servers they have to have tips or else they don't get even, some of them don't, some of the establishments, they don't get paid minimum wage, so they need the tips. If you go into a place with that knowledge, you better be willing to tip. Or else Do you that's know, just being an asshole. yeah, that's
1: fine in a general way because they say they count on tips, but they're doing their job and they're getting paid their wage. I, I totally well, well, disagree because I think it's that way with anywhere. In fact, in Washington, they just raised raised the minimum wage to fifteen dollars an hour, and people tip outrageous rich. here. So if but you Matt, work in Applebee's, at Apple- you get fifteen dollars an hour. And people tip way more than they do in South Carolina, percentage and total. Okay, amount. well, if that's the so case, I think it's then I would crazy that you. I should have to tip at Applebee's in Washington State. The only reason I do it is so I don't feel like. Uh, oh, that person might think I'm a weirdo or a jerk. Yeah, well, That's I all. would agree with that. I would agree with that. But when I was at Applebee's,
2: I made like $3. Yep, I tipped, girl, I tipped a girl I
1: tipped girl six bucks at Waffle House the other day when I was in Tennessee because of, you know, I know she didn't make any money.
2: Y'all but. listen to how ghetto Applebee's uh, was when I was there. This is in Rock Hill, South hey, Carolina. Hey, nobody talks bad about Applebee's. This is like Rock Hill, South Take Carolina, 30 minutes from Charlotte South. And the manager there, she knew who this guy was. And he brought in this huge uh, party. And she's just like, Joey, when you're ready, this is the manager, when you're ready to print out uh, his receipt, come to me first. And I was like, uh, okay. So I go up to her. I was like, okay, he's ready. And she's just like, okay, we're going to print it from this printer that um, is a little bit blurry. It's not print. It's running out of ink. And I was like, uh, okay. I had no idea what she was doing, but I was just following suit. So she gives me the receipt. It's hard to read. So she tells me to put this receipt on the table. I put it on the table, and the whole time, this is what she was after. The fact that gratuity was already added into it, you can't really see it because it's blurry. It's not clear. So he just slapped an extra (laughs) 20% tip, and she gave it to me. She was all excited. She's like, there you go. We had gratuity already added, and he tipped you. You're welcome. This
1: is the manager. (laughs) That makes me further not want to tip people.
2: (laughs) Oh man, it's it. It seems like even uh, managers of restaurants
1: need some sort of X watch. Like if they had some uh, thing accountability, you're saying would be nice.
0: Nice transition. Yeah. I'm liking this. Yeah, they needed uh, a form of accountability. Uh, yeah,
2: maybe someone to beat their ass every time they cheat someone.
0: Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah,
2: maybe like a guardi- guardian, guardian ass kicking angel.
0: I hear. Well, you. anyway, me, so, Matt,
2: and Toby, <laughs> we have a guardian angel on our computers. And that guardian angel is Triple X Watch. You can, Watch. Et, you can go to X3 Watch. You can go to X3 watchcom dot com forward slash Bad Christian and get this program for Toby. How much off? Free, and you don't have to tip. No, wait a second. It's not free if they get this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Sorry, it's not free. Well, there is a free version, right? There is
2: a free version, but yeah.
0: the, what version we're talking about? It ain't free because it's worth eternity. Yeah. Yeah. I think Joey porn, was after I tell you what. How how would you like to have half off? For there you eternity? go. Yeah. How there would you, you like go. to have that? Now
1: here's the thing. What does this program do that y'all are talking about? I think for me
2: it just eliminates um the possibility of doing things in secret. We've said this before on our podcast, all three of us we don't want to look at porn, and yet the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. Sometimes we want to look at pictures that we have no business looking at. So this program it will, um, if I have Toby, Matt, and I have another friend of mine, um, on as accountability partners. So if I go on a sketchy site that has porn or could possibly have porn on it, they immediately get an email notification saying Joey was on this can, website. Uh, can
1: I do a live example, Joey? I got your report here, uh, sure today, and uh, it said. The, and you can, you're can you going to have to answer for this. There may be a yeah. good explanation. There may not. But I got a report from you today and said Joey Svensson has used uh, the following site, and it says Pinterest, and it said the keywords in there were MILF. MILF? So, yep. So I don't know if that was just, you know, it could be just text in something on a Pinterest that said MILF or something like that, which is, you know, we know what MILF is. But is there anything funny there? Um, I think I do remember that happening, and I don't remember what it was. I
2: just remember uh x three blocking it and me thinking up oh, i'm gonna have to explain that and it was but something I, on I, I pinterest it was not porn yeah it was i, I
1: just don't remember I think that's I still really cool because I'm sure that was you know maybe you weren't look trying to find anything crazy, but you know even on sites like Pinterest and stuff like that, you can find stuff that's you know one step away or definitely leads you down that that road thinking but one, here's the thing though Matt
2: is I would rather it be over sensitive and pick up on things that are not pornographic than for sure. it to be undersensitive. Because, honestly, it's just not worth it. Like, on a, it would not be worth it if things fell through the cracks because then it just defeats the whole purpose of accountability. And, you know, if you're worried about, um, you know, more sites alerting your friends than what is porn, you can actually put it on a white list and yeah. a- avoid that. And, outside.
0: actually, I'm checking up on it, and I do see where it, it actually, Matt, uh, you didn't see it, but it, it what it says is MILF. Buds, and I think what Joey was looking at was Milk Duds.
1: He just misspelled Milk Duds. Yeah, he <laughs> yeah, okay. just mis-
0: misspelled Milk Duds, yeah. and so that's what it was. Woo.
1: With the chunky fingers, Woo. it's easy to mistype stuff like I that. Just I know. To look Those at-
0: large, sweaty, hairy fingers are hard to type in Milk Duds. <laughs> well, thank
1: you, hands for answering that. I think that uh, what you guys need to know is you go to bad, uh, you go to x3watch.com forward slash bad christian, and that is where you will get your half-off things to get in there. And one more idea, if I may say so, for the for the X three people that they might want to include in the program as technology increases. What I mean, well, let's just go ahead and say it should give you you should get blocked, but also an extremely powerful electric shock if you yeah. visit. visit, visit yeah. a, the, or yeah. or what
2: if there was like this <laughs> intense super flash on your computer that blinds you for one day <laughs> 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 That'd be
0: awesome if they actually created that. And the X3 would be ended forever. It would go to jail. There would be
1: millions of American dudes that were blind tomorrow. No, you'd sign the user agreement, and then you'd come. Your wife would come home from work and say, "Honey, look at look, say look at what I bought today at Nordstrom." And you go, "I'm sorry." honey. Epidemic see. of blind men today. I, can't
0: see I mean, it. how many? If that actually was true, how many men tomorrow, even though they knew. Even though they knew they could potentially, you know, be blind for a day, how many <laughs> blind men would be there blind tomorrow from looking at pornography? That'd be unbelievable. I'd love to know that. There'd be
1: so many excuses people would have. That and, and
0: if they didn't know, if it was just a, you know, if the, if you, somehow you could link every computer that if you looked at porn, that you would be blind for one day. And it's scripturally, it's scripturally
1: based too, because Jesus says, "If you'd better to gouge your eyes out than to look yeah. on a woman with lust." So it'd be a, you know, maybe that's a really good idea. Yeah, probably not.
0: But <laughs> I'm glad we're talking. We're talking about it. It'd be fun. It'd be fun if it was real. So, uh, speaking of morals and uh, what that actually means in a world with or without God, um, I've really been thinking lately since the uh, Dave Design podcast and even the Jay ba- Baker podcast, just about how strongly they believe what they believe and what they have done to enforce that belief or the, the data that they've they've studied or the things that they've uh, studied or the knowledge they've tried to get and, or just the time contemplating these <laughs> thoughts. And I really do respect it because they believe it. Like Dave Bizarin, man. Uh, I mean, it's talking, sincere. Yeah. Yeah, very sincere. Uh, honestly, a lot more sincere than a lot of Christians. I feel oh, like yeah. a lot of Christ- Christians say, oh yeah, Jesus this and blah, blah, blah. That's what I am. I'm a Christian. And it's just, it's like you're born into it and you're totally a Christian or whatever, as opposed to really finding out what you believe and Wrestling with some of the harder parts of the Bible for sure. And I think that's what they did. And, and I, anyway, getting off the subject here, uh, coming up next, our next podcast is going to be uh, he's a retired professor. His name's Herb Silverman, and he's an atheist. And uh, so I've just really been going back and forth, not back and forth, but just really <sighs> trying to get on both sides of what do atheists or agnostics or even other religions say about things like hell or heaven or morals. <laughs> And what that means, and and I guess uh, what one of the big questions I'm going to ask him, and uh, and if you're listening to this now, send in your questions, um, Matt. Give them the email address they can send in questions. Podcast to
1: at badchristian.com. com.
0: Where I wrestle is what uh, the idea of morality and it being something that we just created to help society. That that is really where I, I when it when it boils down to the end, I go. I just don't it. It doesn't make sense to me that we would create something called more good and you know right and wrong, and we can't adhere to it like we, we don't we don't even come close to being you know what I mean like it's not we have laws that we adhere to and when we break them we can even uh, you know uh, if you break the speed limit and a police officer catches you there is a result and you go okay but and the reason why um, I'm not supposed to speed is because of this and this and you can even disagree maybe you know but I mean this idea of a right and wrong that I'm going to adhere to just makes no sense without a God, or at least a an idea of where where that would. How do I start with right or wrong? Because then it would be completely subjective, right? Is there objective morality? Is that or, I mean, there people there can have, be.
1: Sub- I mean, people have have debated this in endlessly, and C.S. Lewis and other people have right. good good you know really put that, that in a really good way. But I mean, if you ha- have a naturalist point of view then you will come up with an explanation and, you know, an evolutionary uh, explanation. So they do have one, and it is reasonable, and it's not necessarily thwartable, except for by you saying something like, I just don't believe that, or it's just not, I just can't. Uh, well, okay, Ta- take wrong the idea, for, for example, I the thing that
0: uh, bothers me um, is— when you when an uh, atheist like I've been listening to um, a, a few different atheists, you know Richard Richard Dawkins or Sam Harris, I've been uh, really trying to study and see their point and think about it uh, objectively, and I just like I don't understand the idea when the, when they say things like um, if God was good, why doesn't he heal an amputee? If God was good, then why would he allow a tsunami to happen? If God was good, I mean the God it, and and the reason why that bothers me is it. Uh, it's it's basically just a human saying what good is then. So that, but I mean, how how are you? Able, is there a wrongful death? I mean, that that doesn't make any sense. If there is no God, then there is no wrongful death. You just die. I think the right? question
2: is: Is there a rightful death? And that would the, the answer would be no. Right? There's no rightful death. That's not how it was intended to be. And so I think the question to ask is not: Is God good for letting someone go without an arm? But is there a greater good? from an eternal perspective of that person right now, not having an arm because no matter what we are in a fallen world and where God is working it towards a greater good. And Matt, I disagree with you as far as, uh, atheists having, um, a point of view that can't be thwarted. Like I, 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 cannot get away from the fact that without a God, there is no morality yeah, and but they, say, they yeah.
1: what are you talking about? They have a great arguments for that. They have a great arguments. No, that's arguments where I, I
2: disagree. That. I don't think they're great arguments
1: at all. Well, I mean they do. <laughs> and you know, half the people do. <laughs> right. So I don't they don't think your arguments are great at all. So I'm just saying they have totally sound logical arguments and, and probably right. more so than you do, honestly. How is that sound and logical though? Well, I mean, do you want to have the argument? I can represent their point of view a little bit. Yeah, let's do that. So we can practice. And it Dave, for her, Dave Bazan <laughs> Dave Bazan said uh explained it a little bit. He said that uh, for instance, from a, I mean, this stuff gets stupid because you just go, "Well, I don't understand that. or I don't believe in your premise or whatever. But the, if people collective uh, throughout evolution, the collective people working together has been one of the greatest skills for humans to advance, that they split up <clears throat> roles and duties and take care of each other became a very adaptive and advantageous skill that lower. Yeah, we're forms. Sure doing a
2: hell of a job at it right now in this world, aren't we?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you and your, you take care of your family, and reptiles don't, <laughs> right? So, I mean, Rose is alive and able to develop for fifteen years before you before she's grown up because you you have it built into you instinctually to take care of her. Well, I saw some damn protective uh, bear
2: mothers taking care of her cubs. Yeah, I know. I but certainly didn't want to get near. Them. I know, and so
1: humans are more evolved than than bears, and bears more than alligators and single celled organisms. So, yeah, but there's and also with, some,
0: okay. But here's the problem I see with that. First of all, does everybody? Uh, if you, first of all, if you take away God right now, does that all of a sudden mean that there's no starving children? Does that end sex slavery? Does any of those things? And, and even the laws that we follow, do the laws do anything? Are they just a way no, no, that no. we describe? No, no, I what think happened? y'all are thinking hold backwards. On, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me finish. So, so my point would be it, that you say that that oh the reason why we uh, are successful and smarter and all this stuff is because we treat each other well, and that way we can be stronger because we are together. But it's been proven time and time again that uh, vicious, uh, singled-out people that want one thing called power uh, can win. Evil can win, and it is very strong. I mean, mean, people will—the reason why people die— and that we do lock our doors and that we do all these things is, in fact, because we are together, and that, didn't, that doesn't right. stop death. And, and, in fact, the 20th century alone from 1900 to you know, 2000 was the, like the bloodiest century ever. Most people ever died. Yeah you know, yeah you know I mean like the most people but ever that, were but killed see, and uh,
1: annihilated yeah, I mean, and are taking a big leap there and let's not and forget leaving.
2: Hitler thought he was doing us a
1: favor. Right right but that's what I'm saying it doesn't that what you're saying is backwards from the way you look at it any one alligator or bear or something else can go off the rails but the species will not advance if everybody were like that therefore if since bears take care of their young, they don't say, I have morality, so I have to do this. They just naturally do it. Therefore, their species survives and propagates. It's something that's built in. They don't think they have a law and then obey it. They just naturally do that. And then the result is their species survives more and does better than the species that's totally selfish and power hungry. Yes, we have individuals like Hitler. Yes, we have stuff like that. But they are the exception as far as to that degree and if everybody acted like hitler our species would be weaker not stronger
0: but i guess i disagree because i think that you that we are when i when i say that i just i, I believe that m- morally we aren't more moral than we used to be. Now we look at it differently. But like the atheists at the say there
1: is no moral. It's just what we do, and you call it moral from your point of view because no, you have it built in. So of course now you call it moral. And now well, you then, make that well, that would be semantics.
0: That would be semantics, because I guarantee you they would find it completely wrong, and that they would be wrong if they disagree with me and I kill them. Yeah, but they Let, just think
1: that that's just biological. D- does the bear have morals? Does the b- no, but, bear? But, I mean, but they do. Is, they take care of the young because it's right.
0: But why do I have this innate feeling of?
2: An amount of wrongness well, i think with the irony behind
0: I all mean, you that have tons too. of
1: instincts though toby you have to, you have instincts for sex for hunger you don't go but why do i have this hunger if i'm not you know what i mean like it's just it's an instinct you have and then you call it something secondarily no no, no. So, yeah yeah but then, but but that form. instinct okay that instinct maybe is inherent to me
0: but i have to question it my hunger i have to question it and check it and figure out what it is is it real or am I just wanting the ice cream at 11 p.m. at night? Right, not, but, but there's plenty so
1: of biological and, and evolutionary explanations for why you have hunger and morals. It's no different. Yeah, but
2: what about the instinct of a pedophile that says, I just desire to have sex with a little kid? Most of us would say, well, that's immoral.
1: Right. <clears throat> that's, we, we think it's immoral to not take care of our kids, too. We just feel that way. It's our instinct. Most of us think we need to eat. Any of us that think we don't need to eat food will die.
0: Well, I so. just think it's hilarious, though. But you just... But all I'm saying is, I feel like it's so much semantics because they're basically just trading this one thing of, hey, no, I mean, yeah, there's morals, there's right and wrong, and it, it's just it was inherited. And I don't even, I, I mean, I'm sure there's probably some se- scientific evidence for having a culture and a group, and that they are stronger. I, I, of course, a, a group of sticks is way stronger than a single stick. That well, makes learning to work
1: together and diversification of roles and things like that are just powerful things that higher and higher animals do better and better and better. And at some point, we have have enough prefrontal cortex to like realize it, and then we start calling it morals, and then we would develop religion. That'd be the their point of view on that, and it's reasonable, isn't it? You can't say, "Well, that's dumb." I mean, that is completely logical. No, yeah, I, yeah, I, I totally agree. But
0: what I'm saying is, I believe that's inherently a. Uh, thing that we have to be able to be aware of right or wrong, and I do not think that you can define it without
1: a creator. Yeah, so you don't think it's an evidence based thing either way, is what you're saying? How can
0: you divine absolute truth without there being an absolute truth, or or there isn't one? It, it, there, yeah, is, so, there, there either says, there either is right and wrong, a right and wrong that is outside of us three talking right now, or there isn't, and that means that you're telling me that I'm just going to believe you're right instead of believing my right yeah, and then nah. th- that's all it is no, yeah, that's
2: If true. someone says there's no absolute truth they just stated that but none truth. but none of those and things none of but none like of those
1: things circular. prove prove God or that he is good even if you get that far so I'm, I'm actually I know I, I sound crazy I know Toby agrees with me I mean really what you have to do is say wait a minute I do believe there's enough thought that there could be or is something spiritual and that there is possibly a God and then you can ask yourself is he good or not but you don't you don't get to choose whether or not there's a God based on if He's good. I mean, there might be a real God might be the shittiest, worst ever, but still, what are you going to do if He's you can't not believe in Him? I mean, so I don't. I mean, I luckily think He's good, and I think it's hard to even understand how He's good in the light of child molestation and human trafficking or whatever. But it's hard to understand how He's good, but I think He's good, but I I really think He exists. So whether or not He's good will be a secondary question for me. Anyway, Herb Silverman, I've seen him in a debate very witty, very fun guy to be
0: around. Yeah, we're really excited to have him. <clears throat> I think he's going to say a lot of great things like you're saying. That's what I'm saying. I want to be open-minded about it. I don't want to just shut him down and go whatever, but I don't I still don't I can't understand that idea of a, a morality being something larger than us. That, that's what I'm saying. If there is no god, then we're still we're just trading god it. for this idea of morality. Anyway, all right. Well, so we we've,
2: we've got our guest uh Kevin Mack. Z Kevin Mack. The D C Talk Kevin Max, the new thing, free at last. Kevin Max, the Jesus freak. What if he stumbles? What if he
0: stumbles? What if I stumble? What if I fall? Did he sing that, or is that
2: Toby Max? I think it was
0: Kevin Max that sang that. I guess yeah. I, I thought Kevin. I thought Tony Max was the more the singer. rapper. Yeah, right.
2: Yeah. He's <clears throat> a rapper. So we're pretty psyched to have Kevin Max in the house.
1: We'll, re- we'll be right back. Kevin Max. What's up, folks? This is Matt. And I know you think when you hear this music, you're about to hear an ad for SignalLeaf.com. And while it's true, SignalLeaf.com is the best podcast hosting service out there, that's not why I'm here today. I'm here to tell you about the new guitars that I've been playing as I'm writing and recording the new Emory album. Uh, this is Matt, by the way. I play guitar in Emory. And Lewis has been building the guitars that I've been using lately. Some of them are similar to Fender, some of them are similar to Gibson. But basically, he's making them from scratch, from custom, based on the specifications that I dictate to him this guy lives and breathes guitars. He's he runs his own business. His stuff is amazing. I'm not gonna play any of those other ones anymore because the stuff he's been making me is great. It's what you will hear on our next album. The guy loves guitars so much he calls me on the phone, and he wants to talk for like two hours about the shape of the neck. And I I mean I can't even I can't even keep up, I don't even care honestly, near as much as he does about the guitars that he makes me. He loves my guitars more than I love my guitars. So go to his website, scero guitarsnet And just, you know, look, you can see some examples there of his work. It's amazing. He makes stuff look brand new, or he can make it look like it's been played for 60 years. Whatever you want to do, call the guy up. Tell him that you heard about him on the Bad Christian Podcast, and you will get a discount. You get 10% off of whatever it is that you're going to order. And then you, too, will be an elite company and have a vintage-inspired guitar from seroguitars.net.
0: And we're back! Yeah! All right. All right. Uh, We have a very, very cool guest today. Um... You guys probably know him from DC Talk. This is Kevin Max. He's been also a lot of solo music and played with audio drilling for a while. Uh, Kevin, welcome to the show, man.
3: Hey, man. Good to be here. Great. Hey,
2: Kevin. Kevin, this is Joey, and I just want to say real quick that in 1989... When I popped that cassette in for the first time, I thought I had died and gone to heaven. I was like, this is the coolest thing. And what was that, Joe? Jesus, you, were, Jesus freak? you
3: were heaven bound, right? Uh, you no, were heaven it, bound.
2: Exactly. No, it was it was DC Talk Self-titled. Came out when I was in the seventh grade. And I was like, I am telling you, this this is it. This is where it's at. This well, here's it. what's
0: funny for me is I actually grew up in a very small charismatic church. And uh, you know, we did I never heard even Christian rock radio, really, anything like that. And the first time I'd ever been experienced to it, I went to Charleston Southern University, and you guys actually played at the Citadel. I don't know if you remember, you probably, I don't know if you remember every show, but anyway, you played at the Citadel in in Charleston, South Carolina. And I literally remember going, what the hell is this? Are these guys messed up? What kind of music is this? <laughs>
3: because,
0: I mean, I, I, thought, I thought there's no way you can play music like that. What is this? This isn't, I just didn't understand. Well, so, what's funny
3: about that is, like, I think one of our first uh, album reviews in the uh, industry Somebody said it was a it, it, the the album is likened unto a three headed musical mutant that nobody can swallow. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we were we were uh, you know testing the boundaries on that first album I think. Um, and you know I grew up in a, I grew up in a Christian home, but I, I listened to mainly you know secular rock and roll music. So I grew up completely opposite, not knowing much about Christian music at all. Like my favorites were Queen, David Bowie, The Smiths. Yeah. You know, and so for me, like my first, you know, brush with Christian music was when I went to Liberty University in college. So, um, yeah, for me, I was wearing my Smiths T-shirts and, and, you know, into that first DC Talk album, I was like, wow, what is this? Well, it, it takes um, that for
1: sure for people to, you have to almost have non-Christian influences in order to do something groundbreaking or new, you know, because that there's just not a lot of nec- Typically, there's not a lot of innovation within the uh, Christian music community, as we well know. Kevin, something we talk about a lot on this podcast is uh, something I think you'd have a great amount of insight on, and that is that uh, the the how Christian music and Christian culture have changed uh, so much over time, and you guys being a part of that uh, first wave, you must have met a ton of resistance of of people like Toby um, said earlier, thinking that what you're doing, even though it was Christian music, was still wrong and bad and and of the devil Did, is that the case
3: i mean yeah i mean from from the very early on perspective yeah there was like a an initial kind of like you know what are what are you guys on about and you know we some of the first albums i mean we tackled subjects like you know abstinence in the song uh you know i don't want your sex for now and that that, that kind of freaked people out and we were actually even singing the sex word and mm-hmm. Uh, another funny story about that is like I, I, the, the the lyrics to that were panned in the studio. So if somebody had a mono stereo in their car or something, they probably ended up with the song. I want it. I, I <laughs> want it. I want your sex for now. You know, and so <laughs> I think we had that going against us. Um, and then, um, you know, definitely like there was a general kind of distaste for you know, entertainment within the church in the, in the very beginning. But I think that very quickly gave way. Um, we saw people, you know, just kind of get on this bandwagon of like, wow, I mean, Christian music can be entertaining and, and we can push the boundaries. And I mean, certainly our, um, our forefathers, which were Larry Norman and, uh, you know, Steve Taylor and, 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 and artists like that did it before us and, and probably met with even more resistance. But, mm-hmm. um, I would say DC talk was kind of like the second wave of Christian entertainment culture and, and definitely pushed it and opened the door for, for other artists. But yeah, yeah I agree. How, very-
2: how are you <laughs> influenced? Like you're naming all these bands you listen to like the Smiths and David Bowie, like where did the DC talk original hip hop sound come from?
3: I mean, yeah, that was, that was definitely Toby. Um, I mean, he was into LL Cool J you know, right. like he was into Run DMC and LL Cool J, and one time I was like, "Wow, this is really bizarre," because I had grown up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and most of my friends were, you know, into like Def Leppard. You know what I mean? So yeah. hanging out with a guy that was really deep into hip hop was was really interesting. And he had he had a vision, man. He he wanted to create, you know, hip hop for the for the Christian culture and and kind of be the alternative lyrically, and you know, so so the hip hop element was definitely Toby. Um, Michael was, was singing more kind of R&B um, church music at the time. I mean, he, was, he was singing with uh, Falwell's uh, singers at Liberty. And I remember the first time hearing him thinking, man, this guy's like I don't know, it's like a deeper-voiced Lionel Richie you know, for, yeah. for, the, for the Christian culture. And he just had this beautiful kind of sounding voice. But again, I was into alternative music. And, and so when they asked me to be a part of this and be kind of like the rock and roll element, in the music, I was very, uh, um, kind of confused. I was like, is this even going to work? You know and I mean, I was, I was definitely interested, but man, I mean, honestly, it was, it was just crazy how immediate people took to it. Like it was,
0: yeah.
3: I guess because it was a, a, such a different scenario with three lead guys, very different, um, individuals on stage kind of doing a, you know, a morph of hip hop, pop and rock. So it was, uh, initially very interesting. I'm sure was a much-needed
1: outlet of something that felt alternative, for lack of a better word, of what was going on in mainstream stuff. And I think there's always that niche, and I think uh, all the all the new waves of culture and Christian culture will be that. There will be a big buildup of mainstream, and then there's people looking for anything different. And finally, there'll be a breakthrough, like you said, in the second generation and, and,
0: there. And that's kind of interesting, too, Kevin, what you said. like, So you, did, I guess you guys were friends, but you kind of met and then did the band, right? Or was it... You guys, great, great. Yeah, friends definitely. For a while. Like,
3: I, then- like I said, I mean, Toby, Toby was the catalyst. You know, when 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 um when like I said, when I met him, um, he was like he was kind of like the popular guy at Liberty, and and uh, again, he, he had like the uh, he had like the cool BMW, and you know, listened to hip hop music, and it was like, oh, this guy's really really different. He's cool. I kind of have my own mysterious vibe going down. People used to call me Corey Hart and, um, at Liberty, (laughs) you know, so I used to wear like rubber bracelets and my hair was spiked and, you know, people thought, you know, that's the rock and roll guy. So I I feel like, you know, Toby just, you know, in his, in his ingenuity was like, wow, well if I put the rock and roll guy in with this, I mean, this is going to be a a full on thing. And he was right. You know, to his, to his his genius, it it did work. You know what I mean? And, Um, so yeah, I mean, no, uh, immediately we were friends. I mean, there was no kind of like, just because you have a BMW, I'm not going to be friends with you. I (laughs) I grew up as the son of an accountant. So we grew up not wealthy, but we grew up well to do. And it's the same thing with Toby's parents. He, he was, they were, they were, you know, upper middle class. So it wasn't like he was He was a billionaire son. He was very, very grounded, even though he drove a BMW. Uh, Okay, so
1: so as you know, Kevin, we're called Bad Christian, and we like to get into the ickier, nastier, uh, you know, really real kind of side of stuff. So something we've been talking about lately is that we find in our is in our industry, and in our, our sect of uh, Christian music, so to speak, is a little bit different than yours, so maybe you could enlighten us a little bit, but we have encountered through, through a band, the bands we've toured with and people we've hung out with um, that there's a pretty high statistical rate of people that are in Christian bands and doing the stuff that we're doing that either are not Christian at all and just pretending or totally wash out of that. What's been your experience yeah. with that?
3: Yeah, that's really interesting. I I feel like that's something that's happened um, in the last ten years or so, mm-hmm. because I mean, when we started out, we were we were absolute. I mean, I I was one hundred percent, you know, believing in um, in the scripture, and and I don't want to say a sold out Christian, but I, I I really really truly believed in what I what I believed in, and and um, you know, I always thought it would be a cool thing to to bring you know, alternative music. Hip hop music, um, pop pop rock music to that culture, and that's that was kind of our stance from the very beginning. Of like, DC Talk was, hey, let's let's make music, but let's put it to a to a level of productivity where people are like, wow, that can that can compare to everything else that's out there. So we we really did believe, and we still do, in in the basics of scripture, and we and we felt like God is the ultimate, um, you know, uh, imaginative uh, being and, and, um, that created creativity was something we wanted to mirror in our music. So we were, our, our stance was always like, if it's Christian it ought to be better, you know? And I Mm -hmm. think, again, Toby, Toby came up with that phrase, if it's Christian, it ought to be better. I mean, and we really lived, lived by that. I mean, that was our credo. So, I mean, we believed in it. We lived it. I mean, we're definitely flawed people. I mean, on Jesus Freak, we came together and wrote a song called, what if I stumble? Based on the fact that all of us were messed up people with with, with issues, and and uh, you know we, we needed to let people know that hey you know we're not perfect. We started getting put on a platform of almost like evangelists, you know. Yeah. Um, we got in Time Magazine, and we were kind of quoted as like the modern day, you know, rock and roll evangelists. And we were kind of yeah. like, is that really, is that really our tag? You know what I mean? And and we immediately like went out and wrote this song. What if I stumble? To let people know that hey we're we're human we we mess up, we make mistakes, you but know, even still did you we're have not feel perfect. a lot of
1: pressure to put on better than you were?
3: I think there were a lot of people that were looking for holes in it, you know, like yeah. are these guys you know into drugs are they are they you know meeting girls backstage are they you know what's so the some Huh? Say it again. Were Were there
2: holes? You said people were looking for holes. I mean, were there? Holes? They were looking.
3: They were they, people. I think people were just generally wondering: Are these guys for real? I mean, going back to your question, like it seems like a lot of bands aren't for real when they when they say they're a Christian band. Are they really a Christian band? I mean, we really were a Christian band. We we didn't uh, drink on the road. We didn't take drugs on the road. We we tried to keep a a very uh, high level um, of social awareness but we also try to to be real to ourselves and 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 you know kind of hold each other accountable i mean you know i toby was married um the first out of the band so he you know when we first started touring he was a married dude so i mean there was not much going on with the uh, female scenario because he was he was a married guy and he was very very specific spe- very specific in how he'd treat people because he knew that was a very, um, I mean, as we all do in, in the arts, you know, it can be a dangerous scenario for some people on platforms, you know? And, uh, Michael and I being single, I think we, we carried ourselves pretty good. I mean, you know, I, I flirted with, with with a lot of girls, I'm sure, but it's not like a scenario where we felt like we were going off the rails and we had to hide something. And, and, um, I hate to say it, but we were pretty, pretty squeaky clean, man. You know? Um, And, and we, and we took it seriously, you know, it's like, if we're going to be out here as kind of, you know, making this, making this, uh, kind of statement to the world about our faith, I mean, we've got to live it too, you know? Um, but it's not to say that we didn't have our, have our hangups and, you know, we'd mess up here and there and, and, um, make mistakes, um. So, so what was it like yeah, to have
0: all all this fame thrust upon you, though? Like, I mean, because you just were at Liberty, you met, you met some dudes, and they're like, hey, let's do this band, it'll be good. And then it was. And then you guys were probably, I mean, especially at the height, I mean, you guys still have tons of fame. And honestly, if, if you guys were to ever get back together, it'd probably be a huge tour and, and huge album stuff. But what was it like to be young and just... Man, I mean, I, I mean, we know like we, we're in the Christian music world, and that doesn't stop people from throwing themselves at you, throwing money at you, throwing drugs at you, whatever it might be. So, so, what was it like being so young and doing that though? In in a, in a band where everybody's like, yeah. "Oh man, this guy's a modern day evangelist."
3: Yeah, I mean, it, it's a completely different scenario today. I think. I mean, um, back then we worked so much. We we were we were on the road so much and doing projects all of the time that we really didn't have many distractions. I mean, um one of the things to our our credit that we we implemented very early on was having a, a road pastor on the road with us and his name was Michael Guido. And uh, he came on the road and he he before us he was with Striper and he went on the road with Striper and kind of acted as their you know just row pastor guy that would you know bring out scripture every night and and you know get the guys together kind of devotional scenarios but also be that guy to break the tension you know what i mean if there was stuff going on he would be the the guy to kind of bring it up and and we talk about it and he was just kind of walking with us you know yeah. and being our um our confidant if if you will you know and and um it was really great to have somebody like that with us in the early days because You know, it just got nutty sometimes. I mean, we were playing Billy Graham festivals in front of, you know, 100,000 people, and it's kind of easy to lose your perspective sometimes and and think, well, wow.
1: Kevin, do you guys in the Christian industry encounter uh, drugs and uh, bad stuff like that and insincere people and non-Christians? Never had
3: anybody, like, really peddling drugs to us, (laughs) no. (laughs) <laughs> and I, the reason I mean, I'm asking I these questions
1: people- is because, for, uh, you know, from where we're from, from the scene we're in, we tour with a good mix, if not more non-Christian bands. So it's kind of more the standard rock scene that we've been in. So I am kind of curious about the real, uh, the real Christian side of of that of that industry, I was wondering, is it the same? But you say it was not; it wasn't that kind of environment, and not a lot of people masquerading. And it like wasn't;
3: that? it wasn't in our in our heyday when, when we were doing it, like you know, early '90s, mm-hmm. mid '90s. Um, we again, we were so busy that I think there was no distraction there. Yeah. And we were also, you know, we had we had Michael Guido with us. We had a really great management team that looked out after us. I mean, you know, like I'm, I'm not going to lie and say that there wasn't, you know, girls coming out of the uh, of the locker rooms, you know, trying to get our attention. But yeah, I mean, I would say that that was probably the, the only real, you know, moment of weakness for any of us was just like the, the female attention, you know, yeah. Yeah. and, you know, trying to figure that out and balance that and, and, you know, date girls that, you know, that weren't just out after us because we were, you know, on the road and, and, you know, being somewhat successful. That um, kind of girl, right? You know, I, You're looking for that, that kind, kind of girl. Of girl. you know and and and, and toby toby was married to an amazing woman you know you know first off so he had luxury michael and i not so much i mean we had to we had to weed through and filter through and you know get to the ones that were real you know yeah yeah so you guys got
0: honestly super famous what was it were you like meeting people outside the christian world that were famous i I know i saw uh uh a few i I think a recent picture uh i think you're with noel or liam gallagher you, you had like a throwback thursday picture on on twitter something like that <laughs> yeah. did, were you guys yeah, actually uh, like, i
3: met i met liam several times i mean um this was after E C talk i mean liam and liam and i did a, a festival in um sweden together i played as a solo artist in a swedish festival and i was on the flight with him uh, i met him backstage at, at a at a, a festival in atlanta um, at the picture that I put up. Um, and that was like a couple of years after, uh, I went solo. Um, but yeah, during the Jesus freak period, we met a lot of people, man. Um, you know, we were at the Grammy awards and, you know, sitting next to everybody from stone temple pilots to, yeah. um, you know, Tony Bennett. So, you know, we were rubbing shoulders with all those people and, you know, we did shows, with goo goo dolls. We did a show with Fiona Apple, um how did those
1: artists uh handle Chris? were they very polite to you guys or what it sounds like you were chummy with them
3: yeah man i mean you know there was a very honestly there was a very open kind of armed embrace of dc talk when we when we signed to virgin records i mean we signed to virgin at the tail end of jesus freak so Mm -hmm. virgin you know saw these huge numbers you know realized that the album was really great felt that they could take that album and you know cross over so the subsequent album um supernatural was basically written with the idea that it would go general market and christian market so yeah i mean when we we did a couple of radio events we did a radio event with goo goo dolls and i remember they're were, they're were really sweet they're really great but goo goo dolls opened for us and after they left, um, half the crowd left, too. So we're just kind of standing there going, huh, okay. Well, they blew up pretty <laughs> We fast. did it, yeah. you know.
1: I couldn't imagine Fiona Apple being a big Christian music fan is all.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we didn't really have a chance yeah. to really, you know, uh, conversate with her. That was, again, just like a radio event. Well, i mean, I'm sure she we threw were herself at you guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> actually, she ended up crying on stage that night, and I think, like, wow. throwing a huge fit backstage, so... We kind of stayed away as as much as we possibly could. Um, There's a lot of emotion, a lot lot of drama going on there, man. Hey,
2: uh, I want to kind of uh, sell Toby out. Uh, Not not your Toby, our Toby. (laughs) Uh, But Toby, he, uh, in the past, in some of our podcast episodes, people have come up in conversation, uh, Christian artists that basically say, hey, I'm going through a divorce, or hey, I've done this, I've done that, respect my privacy and stuff. And I actually really like how you articulated uh, your divorce. I was reading an interview, and basically uh, before you got into that, you talked about how Christians should be way more open. The reason why you get more flack than others is because you speak the truth. You're more honest. And you said here um, that you actually fought for the marriage for a good year and a half through counselors and pastors in this area at the end of it. Uh, the both of you did not see eye to eye. You finally got someone that you felt was a spiritual leader and uh, he finally told you she's not ready for this. So based upon that you allowed her to file for the divorce and go forward with it. You really tried very hard uh, for a year to make it work. A lot of prayer went into it basically quoting you. Now Mm -hmm. Toby has given people a really hard time in that situation that say similar things to what you said but then respect my privacy. Um, You have lived that. How do you feel when a Christian, um, you know, basically they acquire a whole lot of popularity and then all of a sudden they say, I'm getting a divorce and please leave me alone about it.
3: So what's the question?
2: So my question (laughs) is, do you think Toby is an asshole for basically taking that approach and jumping on someone's case for asking for privacy? Or do you actually sympathize with the need for privacy in uh, moments like that?
3: I think that people that are in the public eye um, have to be ready to be in the public eye. That's, that's my, that's my opinion. If somebody's uh, uh a artist that is out there and everybody knows about them, they're going to, they're going to have to be ready to, you know, explore and, and expose, you know, what, who they are. Um, you know, some artists decide not to. And, and I think that that is, you know, in my opinion, like, You know, you you set yourself up to to basically everybody to want to know, and then you kind of shut them down. It's kind of an easy way out, in my opinion. And you Um, think
1: Christians should be more open, and it sounds like you've been more open.
3: I definitely think they should be more open. I I feel like um, the divorce conversation is a very tricky, difficult conversation because I still believe that divorce is not not right. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, um, you know, I'm remarried, happily remarried, I have four beautiful kids. You know, I will never ever go through that again. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I'm pretty pretty honest. When when people ask me, you know, what was it like, I tell them it was, it was devastating. You know, my my ex and I are, are great friends. We're 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 actually really great friends to the point where my my wife and my ex uh, talk quite a bit, hang out here and there. Um, I got to see them in New, at a the New Year's Eve party at my ex's house like two years ago. Hang out you know, dance uh, to, um, I think, Michael Jackson together. You know, it's like, you know, I have a very blessed scenario in that way, but I I tell people, I'm like, I I hated it. I hated going through that, you know what I mean? And I still look back back at that as a huge mistake, you know, and a huge What was the mistake part
1: of it, to get married in the first place or that it broke up or what?
3: Just being young and, and not being you know, sure of what we should do in that situation and, and maybe spending more time together before the marriage and, you know, conversating more. I mean, she married me in the very, you know, kind of apex of touring with DC talk. So, I mean, we got married and then I was absent for two years in a row, you know, yeah. Um, it's, it was very difficult for her and it would have been very difficult for anybody going into those circumstances. And I really care for her. I really respect her. And, you know, I pray for her all the time that, you know, that she would find somebody or not find somebody depending on, you know, what is right for her between her, her, her and her creator. You know what I mean? So my point is, I mean, it's not, it's messy. It's not cool, but I definitely think it should be talked about. And I think when we keep things in the closet and we don't talk about them, we get in trouble um, specifically in the area of, of, you know, you know, relationships and, and, and sexual, you know, things. I've just read it today. A guy got caught, you know, in Grand Rapids, um, in some weird, you know, kind of like sex scandal and, you know, involving children of all things. And it's like, you know, when things aren't spoken about, things are just thrown in the closet. The church doesn't want to talk about sex. I mean, these things are going to keep coming up and, and they're going to be more and more messy. And, People should people should be honest. People should be out outright honest about about what, what's going on in their lives. And I feel like that's kind of what Christ spoke about with his disciples. It's like, you know, let's let's be honest with each other. Let's let's get to the root of what you're feeling, you know what I mean? And to me that that, that relationship between Christ and the disciples, that was the that was the church model before there was church. And I feel like that's really missing today, you know.
0: Yeah, I think the thing for me is I just get frustrated when, uh, whether it be an artist or a famous Christian a pastor or whatever, uh, can can speak so boldly in their faith and, and do great teachings or write amazing songs or, or create amazing literature or, or art, whatever it might be, and then they do clam up. And that's why, I guess, honestly, I am appreciative of what you're saying because you met this head on as a human, like, Hey man, I'd really tried. I, I hated this. I didn't want to do this. You know? And, and, and it sounds like you've been saying, you know, a lot of it was your, your fault as well. I mean, it was, it was a two way street, obviously. So I, I think getting that out means it doesn't own you. You don't, you don't have shame over that. You're not, it's not on your shoulders anymore. Obviously there's some, probably some regret, like, man, you wish things would have worked out mm-hmm. differently or whatever, but that's just, that's human. And, and that's where Jesus met us at. And that's why I think if we can say those things out loud as well, like if we, if we're open about, whatever whatever our sin may be i mean people are going to get divorced regardless if they're a christian or not i mean that's not going to stop and that does not diminish the amazing forgiveness and redemption of jesus christ and what he does in our life it just just shows you we need him and so that's why i get frustrated because there's a lot of people out there making a lot of money off of christianity and they only want to tell half a story and that's where it gets really dangerous then yeah kevin
2: it's it's neat just to be able to talk uh, to another brother in Christ, uh, about these sorts of things. I mean, another thing that honestly frustrates Matt, Toby and myself is just the whole, uh, moral failure phrase. I mean, you just hear so many people say, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I had moral failure. It's just like, you know what, just call it what it is, you know? And, and I don't know if that sounds mean, but it's just like, everybody knows what you're talking about. Can you just say, you had sex with someone that you shouldn't have? You know, but I, Hey, you know what? I've never, I've never been there to that, uh, level I mean obviously yeah you know, Jesus says look at in the my level. in my
3: situation we didn't have any of that it was literally just a a falling out of, of communication''m oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. i not being I'm being gut honest about that I mean yep. and I said that from the from the get-go I mean if people realized what was actually going on there was nothing sensational it was yeah. just like you know we we had had a rough you know uh, time together because there was there was a lack of time together You know, and, you know, I threw her into a scenario where, hey, hey, we're married and now I'm on the road for for three years. Hope to see you soon. You know, and um, it sounds like you even
1: accept responsibility there. And I appreciate that. That tone. Yeah,
0: I do, too. It's just just honesty. I think that's what we get a little bit confused on is just we got to be honest. And and that's why I'm saying like honest, uh, these people that are saying even these things are trying to, you know, kind of keep some certain parts of their life private. They're not bad people. We're not saying that they're miserable and they're scum and they're terrible. Honestly, I think they're probably great people. They're just a little worried that their image is going to be tarnished or their career could be over. And I think what it sounds like to me is you're being honest and your career isn't over. I mean, you have a new record that's going to be coming out soon. You have so much good stuff going on. And and honestly, I think God's honoring you just by being real. Hey, yeah, I make mistakes. I need Jesus. And that's what
2: I think. If we can get back to that, it's going to be really good. Yeah, some people have got to learn the hard way.
1: Well, we just got to go one step beyond, (laughs) yes, I'm not perfect. And yes, I make mistakes. We got to go to, here's what they are. That's 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 all that's all we're at. I mean, everybody says first thing right away. Well, I'm not perfect. We have our problems here and there. Okay, just let's say them. Let's at least do that. So, yeah.
0: So so real quickly, too, I want to ask. So the last two years you've been the lead singer of Audio Adrenaline as well, right? Yes. How how was that? I mean, that's just a whole other giant Christian band. And you've just been touring probably the last two years. And now uh, you have stepped down from Audio Adrenaline to kind of pursue more. uh, Go back to some of your solo stuff.
3: Correct. Correct. Um, you know, the, the audio adrenaline thing is just, I mean, it, it was an amazing moment for us to just kind of get together and do something cool for, um, nonprofit hands and feet. Um, the, the whole reason that I got back into it was Mark Stewart, the original lead singer came to me and said, Hey, you know, we're thinking about putting this back on the road. Um, but, but it's, it's intentional, with raising for raising awareness for my nonprofit hands and feet which was um you know two two you know really big children villages in haiti and um when i heard about the whole thing i was just like first of all i was excited you know to to sing in a rock band secondly i mean to actually raise awareness for the least of these was like a huge you know kind of carrot and i, and I said man i'm i'm, I'm way in because I love you guys, I've I've been with them from the early '90s. We basically uh, came across them at, at Kentucky Christian College, gave their demo tape to, to our label at the time, Forefront, you know, and they they took off, you know, and we we did the biggest tour of our lives together, which was Jesus Freakin' Bloom. So you know, I've kind of walked with these guys for a long time. Anyways, it was just kind of like a no-brainer. But at the end of these two years of of touring the Kings and Queens album, um, management really wanted kind of to shift it over more to look like a rock worship kind of a thing and I just felt like I wasn't really the guy for that stylistically um, yeah. I'm not comfortable in the worship leader shoes I have nothing against worship music I've nothing against rock and roll worship I think it's great I mean one of my favorite bands was the various you know but um, you know I, I just I just didn't feel comfortable and they and they they agreed that it was just gonna be kind of like a strain to kind of make me fit within that box. And so, yeah. um, you know, we both kind of agreed that it was time to kind of move on and, and, and you know, go. It was bittersweet because I would have liked to have seen the band go more in the rock and roll direction, you know. I would like to have seen the band, you know, take on um, almost kind of like the what Switchfoot's doing right now um, because I've, I looked at Audio Adrenaline, I, I think of them as a rock and roll band, you know. Yeah. When we toured with them back in the day, it was like crazy... You know, garage band rock and roll. You know, um, to make that into a, you know, worship rock outfit, I'm not really sure about it. And yeah. you know, we'll, t- time will tell. And, and maybe they'll, maybe they'll just really nail that genre and 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 uh, you know, do some great work there. But um, you know, in the time that I was there for two years, now, we raised we raised over a, half a million dollars for hands and feet just through de- just That's sorry, awesome. you know, through audio through audio A. So what so are you trying to accomplish of- musically
1: now with the stuff you put, the new record coming out?
3: Uh, great music. <laughs> Is it
1: less of a worship style for Sunday morning kind of stuff, are you saying, or more that way?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, what I do, I mean, if, if you look back into what I do as a solo artist, I mean, it's pretty experimental. Like, mm-hmm. I've gone from, you know, pop rock to electronica to gospel to, you know, kind of, I I, I like to experiment. And I feel like this record is, is, again, very experimental in the fact that I'm putting out, you know, modern pop, rock, alternative music. And I don't think that I want to even put a, a, a perimeter on what I do lyrically as well, right. you know? Yeah. And I think that's the big thing that makes Christian music Christian music is the lyrical content. So I said something on my Facebook a little while ago. I was like, I, I feel like we should challenge ourselves lyrically, too.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you look sure. at
3: Leonard Cohen and Bob Dylan, I mean, okay, Bob Dylan was a self-professed Christian for I don't know how long and put out the best lyrics in the world, you know what I mean? So so why why can't other Christians follow suit and create really great, expansive, uh, what's the word, you know, progressive lyrical content, you know? Yeah. So that's, if if I had to get on a, a soapbox for two seconds, I mean, that would be it. It's like, I just feel like. Christian music is the same old, same old when it comes to lyrical content.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I think you said this in a, I was reading an article about you as well. And and we've kind of reiterated this point too, is that, It's not that people aren't, uh, Christians aren't listening to secular music. They do all the time. And and the thing that gets me is like they'll take a band like Mumford and Sons that does one hymn on a B side of an album. They go, oh, those guys are Christians. We're taking them for ourselves. But if a Christian kind of lingers into words that are really expressive and potentially you got to think about them a little bit, how they could honor God and stuff like that, it gets really dicey for Christians. And I don't understand that because honestly, we are creating a new song for god what what does yep. that look like yep. you know what i mean we, we don't always have to go yes yeah, I would lord think god yes gets lord tired, yes. God,
3: god gets tired of it god gets yeah, tired of hearing of the same things expressed every time you know <laughs> yeah i know he's like he's uh, creative you know
0: yeah yeah i mean we're artists that's what we're supposed to be doing <laughs> so uh, otherwise it's just we're we're a job and we're creating music to sell and that that's where it gets dicey so, so what
2: are you listening to these days kevin um
3: this morning i had out uh, st vincent and david Byrne. they put a nice. record together uh, yeah i love the giant which i i i I love the the horn aspects of that album um i gotta be honest like you know like horn sections and rock and roll always kind of bothered me but uh the way that they've been doing that st vincent the way she's been using it is like really cool Uh, pretty fresh. i
2: agree
3: i love the national love the national new album it's really great Um, newest
2: as in like the one last year
3: yeah, the one that I, I um there's a song specifically called called Graceless, which I'm I yeah. listen to just about every other day. Love that yeah. album. If you um, have not
2: if you haven't heard the theme song to Win Win, uh with Paul Giamani, the national rights that song you can find on iTunes, it's probably my favorite song of all time. It's like the best national
3: song. So you should check it out. Win win. I'll totally check it out. Yep. I mean when it comes to Christian music, I mean there's you know, um there's there's stuff out there that I really want to listen to. Like I, I, we did a show with Ren Collective, and I thought they were really great. You know, I, I watched Ren Collective open up for us, and I was like, wow, well, we, they just, you know, they just brought the the whole crowd to another place, and I love that. You know, um, there's very little of that happening in Christian music. Yeah. Um, but um, again, I'm kind of, I'm kind of at a loss. Uh, because I listen to a lot of old stuff. You know, I mean, that's kind of what I do. Is I listen to Beatles. I listen to I listen to Smiths, I listen to rock and music, uh, you know, I pulled out Men at Work the other day on my vinyl, and <laughs> I'm kind of a child of the 80s, you know what I mean? So yeah. um, one of my dreams is to do a uh, 80s New Wave synth covers album and just cover all the songs that, you know, bring me back to my high school days, you know?
0: Yeah, that would be awesome. would be totally awesome. All right, cool. Well, uh, so you, you have uh, your new album's going to be coming out later this year. It's called Broken Temples, and you actually released a new single called Infinite. Is that right?
3: Yes, Infinite just, um, we put it up on YouTube. I mean, right now I'm editing uh, the lyric video for it right now, which is really cool. We we shot an actual video, um, but we're going to do kind of like a psychedelic lyric video to it instead of like a conventional uh, music video, so I'm excited about that.
1: Well, We appreciate it very much, Kevin. Where yeah, can man. people find you on social
3: media? Oh, you know, <clears throat> you guys, you guys found me on Twitter, so that's that's, right. that's a yeah. huge deal. You know, yeah. If if you guys found me on Twitter, I think everybody else can. Um.
0: <laughs> All right, well, thanks, Kevin. Man, this has been a, this has been a great time. We really appreciate you stopping by, Bad Christian, and uh, yeah. Once the album comes out and stuff, maybe we can have you back, and maybe we can get a, a you to play a song or uh, do something like that.
3: Dude, I would love to, man. I mean, you know, I'm getting ready to to put the band together, so we'll 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 have something pretty cool. I might be going over to Sweden next month, so we are already having to put something together. Um, but if you know anybody out there that's a really it's a really good French horn player, let me know.
1: Well, we don't. I don't know any French horn players, but Joey knows almost all the notes on the bass.
3: <laughs> Inside
0: joke. Two, Very two, cool. Yeah, All right, well, to get, well get back to your video, man. Thanks so much. We sure do appreciate it. All right, that was Kevin Max. Thank yeah. you so much, yeah. Kevin. Yeah. Wow, I learned a lot about uh, the Christian music uh, history a little Christian bit. Christian music history, indeed. so uh, I think that's what I would call it. The, the the Christian music industry. I guess is what that would be. The biz, hey, you don't, an industry. We do think the he biz. was
2: offended when I kept throwing in. Uh, song titles to dc talk do i don't think so why I mean, would that DC, offend him? i mean
0: it seems like that he should be proud of all dc talk i think he is uh, or you know he likes it
2: it was definitely groundbreaking at the time for sure
0: oh yeah i totally agree i yeah. mean i think that i think that part is really interesting of i what,
1: think it might have been the first christian music i ever heard of hangs into this it. this is yeah. something
2: that you guys may not know and we did not mention this um did you, you know what dc talk stands for
1: Mm-hmm. Um, is it like After Christ Devil Comes? No, no that's A C D C Toby. Oh yeah, dang
2: it. Okay.
0: No sorry. but in no AC first... I'm
1: sorry, I gotta interrupt you there. I think ACDC's title is uh Antichrist Devil Child is what I heard.
0: Oh, okay. I thought oh. it was after Christ Devil Comes. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sorry.
1: Anyway, D C talk is what, Joey?
2: And in, in the, on their <laughs> first album in in a rap, I think Toby Mack actually says that it's decent Christian talk. Which you gotta admit is that's pretty lame.
1: But I really wish we, didn't, we could have named our podcast that. It would have been better. Decent
0: Christian Talk. De- <laughs> we should have called it BC Talk. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I didn't even think about that.
1: Yeah, BC. See, that's the thing. We, we almost, when we named our band Matt and Toby, we were going to go ahead and go with Toby Matt there because we thought we might get some favor of people confusing us with Toby Mack. And so our podcast, likewise, ironically, should have also just been called BC Talk which would we no. would also been the benefit of some nice confusion traffic there too
0: like we're linked forever. I think that is funny though because that does beg the question if it's decent christian talk like does that mean there's not a decent christian so maybe they were first, the first ones to kind of come up with a bad christian idea.
2: Well no I maybe think so. I think basically that was opposed to the trashy lyrical rap that was getting popular back in the day.
0: Well guess what? I don't care anymore cuz you guys know what time it is. Uh Matt, are you getting excited? Are you kind of jumping around a little bit? This is bit? my favorite part of the podcast. All right. Guess what time it is. News time! <laughs> In a world filled with atheists, one man stands alone. <laughs> that man is me, Toby Morrell, and I'm here <laughs> to deliver some news. <laughs>
2: Woo. And I'm right. Joey Spenson, the interrupter. I interrupt Toby all the time and piss him off because I think this news sucks, but I'm going to try cry to, to behave myself. This is a
0: cry for help. I'm going I've, to try. Seen it, I've seen it on almost every podcast, and now I realize this is a cry for help. Well,
2: guess what? Last time I tried to be a proponent of this news, and then I just cracked at the end. I made it almost to the end. I'm going to try to make it this time. All right. Well, yep. just
1: try to keep it to yourself. Matt, it, you
2: it, can shut up. You can why just are you mad Kobe at Matt? Matt? Matt hasn't done anything to do you. I just don't want Matt into this but you debate. You Matt,
0: shut up! And it's my new set. Why would you? Why do you hold the phone, the, the microphone away from your mouth when you
1: laugh? Yeah, why do you why do that? Do you laughing do that? is good I mean, for the podcast.
0: Yeah, the people can't see you <laughs> laughing. Do you not know realize this? This isn't videoed. Keep the mic on your third chin, and so we you know <laughs> that you are laughing.
2: Okay, my friend. Keep I have it to <laughs> there. I was trying to keep like a straight mad tone, though. And it, laughing wouldn't have done anything to help.
1: People don't know we're friends. <laughs> no, they don't. I'm sure they don't. Think, <laughs> you, you don't have to take your anti-news character that seriously. Know, though. My, like, you're sold out. I, I have to appreciate it. You get a this. When it comes to the news, you become a method actor. <laughs> <laughs> That's great.
0: All right. First bit of news. Uh, Illinois man honks at a state trooper for speeding and talking on the cell phone. Is no. that Obama?
1: He's from Illinois. It, it might be it actually. might be his brother, Mike I don't a,
0: no, actually, it's not,
1: so wait, the guy the the officer was on the cell phone,
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, uh, and this is a video you can find on YouTube, but it's brian miller flagged he flagged down an Illinois state trooper, and this is from Huffington post, one of my favorite sites all the time, uh allegedly because the officer was speeding and talking on his uh cell phone, and so then he he waved down the uh the state trooper, and then the state trooper pulled him over. And uh, the, yeah, and the the officer said, and his name is unidentified, of course, because I guess you can't say the name of the police officer. But it said you pulled me over with your horn. I don't know what that was about. And Miner said because you were speeding and had your cell phone in your hand. And then the police officer told him, police officers can actually use technology when we're driving. <laughs> that was his his response. And then he tried to give uh, uh Mr. Miner a ticket for unlawfully using his horn. Whoa. Unlawful lawful use of horn. Yeah uh but then minor showed him that he was videotaping the whole thing and the guy said oh, well i just don't want to hurt your record and let him off but uh, i just thought that was so crazy that he saw the state trooper speeding and talking on his cell phone and when the guy like called the police officer on it he got mad and tried to write him a ticket for just using his horn and tried to be you know a real hard ass and so i thought this was really interesting because it does beg the question once again going back to moral law is there any kind somebody we give authority to they can just do whatever they want that seems like the case right
1: well, some of them certainly take it that way. I've had us, a, a, I have back and forth thoughts lately on cops because it's so easy to see these stories about cops either killing people or roughing people yeah. up and doing all this stuff. It makes you want to say, man, they're so shitty. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And really, they are, but it's just crazy because there's so many cops. And now, same with earthquakes and school shootings, you just hear about them more and more and more about bad stuff. But all the, ba- I mean, they're bad. They've always been bad, but it's only a certain percentage. It might be. Half a percentage of cops that are jerks, and then another half a percentage of them that are actually violent meanies. But ninety nine right. percent of them might be okay. So it's kind of weird because that's like a, it's like a stereotype. Like the liberal people want they're against stereotypes, but they love stereotyping cops as being crappy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a little bit yeah. funny. Like which is it? you don't want to stereo. I mean, we stereotype authority figures and people like that, and say that's a positive, like like that's normal. But same people that are against most stereotypes. So go yeah, figure. A good
2: story. Good story, Toby. That
1: was a good story. Now, Toby, before you go any further, I'd like yes. to help if I could help the news here, maybe I don't mean to detract at all. I okay. sent you a thing on Facebook last night. You just once again mentioned that Huffington Post is your favorite news site, right? Right. Well, I'm really sorry, but I have serious uh bone to pick, pun intended, uh with that. Did you see what I Facebooked you? Uh, no,
0: I took Facebook book off my phone, so I don't. I, I rarely get to see it as much now.
1: Well, you are a hero. Okay, so <laughs> I saw in Derek Tenbush posted this from the Huffington Post about the 30 best barbecue restaurants in the United States. And yeah. there's 30 of them on here. Not okay. one of the 30 best barbecue restaurants. According to Huffington Post, best barbecue places in the country are even in the southeast. Forget North Carolina, forget South Carolina, North Carolina. There's no Florida. There's no Alabama. There's no Georgia. No Tennessee. Not even Tennessee. (laughs) There, There, there's tons of man you give me the
0: damn name of that i'll
1: author, give you the writer pu- let me tell you where the 30 best places are for barbecue in the united states it better Mar- be in hell because that's where i'll send <laughs> maryland vermont california sherman oaks okay, california, yeah, california phoenix arizona barbecue illinois uh three places in illinois uh troy new york harlem new york rochester new york brooklyn new york buffalo new york uh there's a few texas ones washington dc south pasadena Uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Long Beach, California, and Denver, Colorado, and San Francisco. Not any from the whole southeast. Can you believe that? That is a joke. So I have a problem with Huffington Post just based on that. I love their ultra-liberal anti-God news. That's not a problem. (laughs) But the barbecue shit is taking it too far. (laughs) They can talk about my savior and my
0: personal redeemer. Nobody messes with barbecue. (laughs) They better get it right. That's the dumbest thing I've ever said. I need to. I'm gonna have to write them. I'm have to. I mean, right. Let's go ahead I'm
1: and out the whoever the author of this is. I'll tell you who it is. Yeah. Tell me. I was thinking maybe hopefully like it'd be a thing where maybe it's just scandal or they paid the person. I'm hoping that you know the the southeast barbecue joints just aren't gonna you know p- pay for product placement. Maybe these other places have. That's the only explanation I can think out think of. But Julie R. Thompson wrote I this. Knew, crazy. I'm gonna be a woman. Yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> you know. <laughs> The, well, I, that is, it, You know how bad all the barbecue that she listed probably is? I mean, it's going to be an actual joke. I, they're I, probably I,
1: just I, decorated nice inside.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I'm fired up right now. I mean, I just can't. I don't even understand why you couldn't. I mean, that makes no sense. I mean, you know how many... Uh, very extremely obese people in the South right now are covered in barbecue sauce around their mouth. That are eating probably the best barbecue in the history yeah. of the world.
1: I, the biggest uh, omission is, is none of uh, them had uh, any vinegar-based sauce. It's all just ch- you know ribs and thick red sauce or whatever. There's no, there's not. They don't even have it represented that like thin and vinegar-style yeah. barbecue sauce exists. I bet none of them have even ever won a competition or been to one. No, it's probably just, hey, a, can, it's just this, terrible. Can I
2: ask a question real quick uh, about this story? Yep. D- does anybody sure. else uh not realize how uh, I'm trying to be encouraging here does anybody not realize how pointless this is this conversation's kind of well it's just kind of going on and on and on and okay. it's just kind of lost
0: uh, Matt okay. sort of meaning so, okay he's right he's right no matt he's right let's move on i'm I'm just uh, upset about the barbecue but Joey's right I'm gonna read a uh piece of news but could I read a news article that applies to you yeah okay. Um, because Joey, Joey has told me this since, uh, the college days and I've seen him do this a million times. And I guess it's true. Um, study says that sniffing farts is good for you, <laughs> but something doesn't smell right about it. What's the study story says? Sniffing smart <laughs> study says sniffing farts is good for you. Joey Svenson has told me that probably the first day I met him, he <laughs> farted and he, he cupped his hand behind his <laughs> anus anus. <laughs> whiffed it up to his nose, and told me, I'm smarter, I smell my farter. Researchers at the University of Exeter said that the hydrogen sulfide that we, <laughs> that we emit when we cut the cheese protects mitochondria, which are the cells' power producers. Dr. Mark Wood, a researcher at Exeter, explained that hydrogen sulfide is the stinky component of passing gas and could, in fact, be a healthcare hero with significant implications for future therapies for a variety of diseases.
2: Can we do uh, news every other week?
0: No. What do you think about this news article I just read? Because I, I want to ask you point blank. You've looked me in the eye before and said, if I smell my fart, I can pass this test. That's a lie. You you went on an all-night food bender one night. I said, Joe, you have to study for the exam. You said, no. When I walk into every test, I smell my own fart Toby, when I met you, I had to
2: grab your fat and lift it up in order for you to pee. You said, hey, I have to pee. And I had to go in the stall with you to grab your fat and lift it up so you wouldn't piss all over your belly. And I told you that.
0: I appreciated it. And I couldn't believe how out of breath you were from doing that. (laughs) And we got stuck in the stall
2: together. (laughs) Uh, My dad said "There's a guy that would be – he went to Clemson, and there would be a guy at a party who would seriously say, hey – who just farted and then somebody would be reluctant and say that was me he's just like look please next time you do that tell me so i can grab a jar and put it under your butt and keep it in there he says i enjoy sniffing that once in a while and so he actually kept Gross. jars in his rooms of people's farts and he would well, sniff. well it we were on tour
0: something. and we would take empty plastic coke bottles and we would fart in them and then close it up and then later you'd squeeze it and <laughs> whiff it in somebody and it was unbelievable it was bad. The, the smell was unbelievable. I mean, it was an actual saved fart, and it's, and it's saved. Yeah, it's as, it's I mean, like it having it your dissipate. nose one
1: inch from, from the sphincter, you know? Yeah.
0: I mean, it, it, it was unbelievable. I mean, it works. If you ever fart in a bottle, cap it, and then you want to get somebody,
2: you know, squeeze it in so their So how face. long do you wait after you actually fart to cap it?
1: Yeah, you stuff the you know pl- the water bottle right up your butt and then fart in it. Even through your pants is okay. Uh, even better with no pants on, let me, of course. Let me, let me explain it to Joey. Step one, Joey. You you
0: you have plenty of regular soda empty bottles at your house. I'm sure. <laughs> Step one, you take
2: one of those bottles, you place it at your beehole. This podcast episode has really gone downhill with your news. You, I know you because of you. You can't put that on me. I'm reading a story about you. Now he's telling a
1: tour you story.
2: You shouldn't report boring stories.
0: I know. Sorry, I told a tour story. Sorry, you quit Emory and never got <laughs> to be on tour. <laughs> donut-wielding vandals terrorize neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Joey Svenson was a... <laughs> oh, my gosh.